Good evening, afternoon, morning, soccer fans. Welcome to another edition of the SBI Soccer Podcast. My name, as always, is Joe Hynotsky, your primary host of this extravaganza. And joining me, as usual, Ryan Tolmich, the managing editor of SBISoccer.com. Ryan, what's up? Uh, same old man, it's National Team Week, which makes everything a little bit more exciting, a little bit more busy. So, yeah, it's good. We have uh, plenty to discuss today, obviously. Right. We absolutely do. Also joining us to help us discuss the U.S. men's national team is my fellow assistant editor, Joe Tansy. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Ready for uh, Pulisic Mania? Kind of to take over Philadelphia this uh, weekend. Yeah, I think it's about time for that. We've missed him since what? the Since the October Trinidad Tobago game? Since, so I think... the, since the game that will not be named. Oh, yes. Okay, sorry for speaking yeah. evil there. But yeah, it's, it's about time we get some Pulisic national team mania, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been a while, and it's it's exciting. There's plenty to discuss besides that, but that's definitely one of the storylines we're gonna have to dive into today. One of many. So let's begin with this roster that will take on Bolivia on Memorial Day evening in Philadelphia. Joe, you will be there. You put together this roster post, so we're just gonna kind of take this back to front. Start with the goalkeepers. It's the next generation of American goalkeepers, Bill Hamid, Alex Bono, Ethan Horvath. Joe, your take on those three men. My take is the future number one isn't on this roster. Ooh, that's a hot take if you ask me. I agree. No, I, I agree. I don't even know if that that's like a, a, a tepid. That's pretty yeah. warm. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's pretty safe to say right now that Zach Steffen is that kind of heir apparent waiting in the wings for Tim Howard and Brad Guzan to eventually move on from the national team. I think out of this whole group, he's the one that stood out. Look, Bill Hamid, obviously, we know he's kind of a known quantity, but I think we've kind of jumped the boat, jumped the shark on him internationally, honestly. I, I'm not con- totally convinced that he's better than Zach Steffen. Uh, Horvath, I mean... Horvath's having a rough year. Yeah. I mean, he, he rebounded, but it's been a tough year. Yeah, and then and then Bono. I mean, look, he's played well for Toronto FC. He deserves the call ups he's getting, but I still I would still prefer Stefan over him. But out of the three, I think obviously this is Hamid's starting job to lose on Monday. So why yeah, do we agree. think why do we think Stefan is not there? Other than the fact that he just doesn't want to pull him away from the Columbus Crew. Yeah, I think it's just that. I mean, yeah. it's it's also that. It would be nice to have him, certainly, because I do think that he is that number one, but it's still enough of a competition that it doesn't hurt to give these other guys a look. You know, Bill Hamid is definitely figuring into the picture, especially, you know, if he can next season kind of get more time with Michelin. Obviously, this is sort of a transition half year, and, and he did well enough when he did get time, so that's fine. I think those two are the favorites. There are some guys, that I, I like I said, I think Bono obviously earned the chance. Horvath mm-hmm. could kind of use this as a springboard if he does get minutes in this in this next kind of three friendlies. I don't know what the rotation plan is. One guy I'd also like to kind of see in there would be William Yarborough. I think kind of fell back under the radar these last few years. He's He's been good with in, in Mexico, and he, he never really got a proper chance with the national team. Now, I, I don't know if I'd put him on the Hamid Horvath uh, Stefan train yet, but he's definitely someone who's going to be in the mix in this time. And, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good goalkeepers right now. I think Stefan is the standout, and I think Hamid's right there with him. But it's kind of interesting. It's it's such a position to watch over these next few years because there are so many talented guys, and, and none of them have quite claimed it yet. 
Yeah, we've been waiting for this position. Like we've we've it seen hasn't opened up in a while. No, and we and we've kind of seen this coming for a couple of years now. Even I guess dating back to 2014, when you look at you know, all right, well Tim Howard's getting up there. Brad Guzan's not too far behind him. Who is the third guy? I think for the longest time, we thought Hamid would be that guy. There was a period of time where undoubtedly Horvath was that guy. Um, and it's that role is kind of just flipped around between a couple different guys. No one's really been able to kind of unseat Howard and Guzan, which is fair to the, the other statesmen at, at goalkeeper. But there is a concern now that, okay, someone has to take the reins. Someone has to step up and be that guy. Right now, I see that guy as Stefan, uh, with Hamid probably being second, just because of all the experience he carries from the club level. Um, but right now, I think it's it's still more wide open than we hoped it would be a couple years ago when we saw all these young goalkeepers come through the pipeline. Yeah, if they had to go to the World Cup with with Stefan or Hamid, I, I don't think you would feel that was a weakness. I think you'd be able to feel okay. Obviously, that Stefan's not as experienced as you would want him to be, but I think he's talented enough that you'd feel pretty comfortable with either of them back there if that was a thing. If I was going to the World Cup, I'd take Guzan, Stefan, and Horvath. Yeah, I think, ooh, over Horvath over Hamid? That'd be a tough one. I would be really interested to see, I because I don't think you wouldn't have, this is for another day, but <laughs> yes, it is, uh, like we said, the goalkeeper position is definitely an interesting one. Yeah, the interesting one to me was Ethan Horvath. I feel like this is kind of his last chance to make an impression. For the longest time, he was the heir apparent to Tim Howard and Brad Guzan, for lack of a, another guy there. But it feels like this is his last chance. If he doesn't, if he doesn't get in one of these three games, or if he does get in and doesn't perform very well, I think you can truly close the door on him, and then he can move on officially to the Zach Steffen era. I'm not going to count Bill Hamid out, or even Alex Bono for that matter, They're, because all three of them really have a shot at being that number one. So Hamid, it's his job to lose right now, but he's got to realize that he has Zach Steffen knocking on his door, ready to take the job from him within the next year or two. Moving on to the defense, young guys there. Matt Miazga is probably the top one out there. Walker Zimmerman, very interesting inclusion here just because he's an MLS guy and not just any old MLS guy, but someone who kind of leads the line of his team. Also, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Matthew Olasande, Eric Palmer-Brown, Anthony Robinson, and Jorge Villafania. Joe, your take on the defense. I mean, it's pretty clear uh, that Miazga-Carter-Vickers' partnership is going to continue to blossom. Uh, I see no reason why you don't start them at, at center back again. Um, they are the center back pairing of the future. Look, John Brooks obviously is going to play a role in some part of this national team defense sooner rather, you know, sooner rather than later when the first team kind of comes back together. But right now, I mean, they're the pairing to unseat. Look, I kind of feel bad for Eric Palmer Brown because he does need that cap for his his visa and wasn't and didn't get it at the back end of that uh, Paraguay friendly, which I know some people were upset about. I think hopefully we see him in some respect at some point. Um, all of Sunday, obviously, steps uh, stands out because he's the new face of the group, um, and it, it's crazy to think that Jorge Villafaña is the kind of the the old guy of the group, the experienced uh, defender here with the most caps. And I think he's kind of locked down uh, left, left back as well. So 
Um, I see three clear-cut starters, but I could also understand why Sarah Ken goes with like a, a mix of different defenders these next three games to just see what everybody has uh, in actual game time. I am so ready for three at the back. I don't know if it's going to happen yet, especially without Brooks in there. I'm very ready for Brooks, Miazga, Carter Vickers. Very ready for Palmer Brown, Carter Vickers, Miazga. I don't know if they're going to go with that quite yet. I don't know if it's time, especially, you know, in this friendly in particular. I'd want to see it, especially if Yedlin was there. With him not there, it kind of takes some of the oomph out of it. But, um, yeah, I think you have to start Carter Vickers. I think you have to start Miazga just because you have to get that pairing. Obviously, it's looked good every time it's been out there, but you want to keep going with it. I'm interested kind of in the fullbacks. You know, you have the two older guys in, in Lehigh and Viafania, and Viafania in particular is coming off a championship this week. So, you know, he should be riding pretty high. And then you got the young guys with Anthony Robinson, who didn't get in last time, was another disappointment that he kind of didn't get that chance. And then Madela Sunday, who's kind of, kind of unknown, not completely unknown. Everyone kind of knows, you know, he's at Manchester United. He's done very well for the youth teams. And he's got – everyone projects him to be a guy who has all the physical tools to play at the international level. I'm interested to see if he gets that chance. It's very new for him. He still, you know, hasn't quite broken through on the professional level. I'm interested to see what they kind of do at the fullback position and if they're willing to kind of let Robinson and Ola Sunday get that chance. Yeah, and I like, I like you free the back shot. I really do. It's, it's something that yeah, – I think it just fits. Yeah, when you have three center backs – in Lehigh, and, Vickers, and no fullbacks. Got to keep that in mind. They do not have any depth at all outside back. It's just Yedlin yeah. and Viafania. Yep. No, it not, really is. There's not that prime, and that obviously you could say this about and, many of about most positions that there isn't players in their prime ready to take that and, over. And if, Yedlin is in their prime, and Viafania is in his prime, and behind that, it's mostly young. And you think yeah. about Yedlin and Viafania, you could use them in a three at the back as, a, as part of a five man oh. midfield and wing backs. Yedlin, I would prefer Yedlin as a, in the three at the back, just you know, because his defense is still his weak point. If you watch Newcastle this year, he was, I would say, inconsistent. He had very good games, and he had games where he where he struggled defensively. It's obviously gotten a lot better since his Sounders days, but that his speed and his ability to make problems in the attack is still one of his highlights. So three at the back, I think it worked great for him, and I think implementing that sooner rather than later would be a good thing, even if he's not there. I think that's something that. We see maybe in August or September when the new manager takes charge. I don't. I don't think Sarakan's going to take too many risks with what he has right now. I think he's going to keep it with a, you know, more defensive shape. Uh, stay four, maybe go five at the back. Uh, I just don't see him taking that gigantic of a risk, knowing that this style is made, probably not going to be played in August, September when, you know, pick your uh, possible dream candidate here, uh, it yeah. takes over. Yeah, it's, it's not really Sarakan's place to throw out experiments right now. He's more or less here as, as the placeholder to kind of give guys a, a run out and try to build a little bit of team chemistry of that. Uh, one more issue I want to touch on in defense, why isn't John Brooks here? Uh, I'd say, I mean, he did just have have the relegation playoff so I could understand kind of wanting to give him the week or so rest before calling him. I would I would hope he joins for the European games. Um yeah, just give him the week cuz you know, it's obviously it's going to be a longer break this summer than he probably would have expected, but yeah, he's had had a lot of issues with injury. He's just getting back. Give him a week to kind of gather himself after that playoff and, and and I would expect him to join for the European games. 
And I also wouldn't be totally surprised if Tim Ream joins up. Yeah, that's another one who's earned it. He's he's yeah. been very good, and obviously he has a big game this weekend to worry about. But yeah, he's definitely earned it as well. Tim Ream's another one that I'm thinking it's got to be. This is basically his last run. I'm not quite sure I would even bother putting him in. Really, I mean, he's 30. Is he really going to be a factor in 2022? Why why bother? Know, why could, bother? He could be a, he could be a factor in 2020. You know, you still have you still have gold cups to come. You still have the start of World Cup qualifying. You know, it's there's big games in between, and it's there there. Every guy doesn't have to last the whole cycle. Everyone can kind of play their part, and I think Reem could play a part, especially if he keeps up with the form that he's currently on. And the one quote uh, Matt Miazga talked to reporters today at, at training, and he he said, you know, the national team is the best informed players that you have and you can't argue the form that Tim Reams in and look you're playing against the quality quality opponents in Ireland and France Tim Ream is obviously more familiar with you know I would assume more the majority of the Irish team from playing in the championship so much and that's usually where we see a bunch of the Irish players go whether it be the Premier League or the championship um, and he's in great form you have to reward him with a call-up because unless he declines it, um, there's no way you, you have to you ignore his form there. Same thing with, uh, with Brooks is the top center back on the depth chart when he's healthy. He's got to get a call-up, especially when you have these opponents like Ireland and France. You're going to need more than Miazga and Carter Vickers who are getting there but not there yet um, to kind of hold your own against those two teams. I'm I'm just looking at uh, I wouldn't expect Fulham or I would expect uh, Tim Ream to come out for that Ireland game. It's only a few days after the the promotion final for Fulham, so I I would not I'm not entirely sure I would expect him to come in quite for that. But you know possibly for the France one on the, on the ninth you might see him there. So we'll we'll again we'll see. Moving upwards down uh, down the formation to the midfield, Joe Corona, Lyndon Gooch, Alejandro Guido. Keaton Parks, Rubio Rubin, they're the, the kind of lesser names, but then you've got Tim Weah, Julian Green making his return, uh, Weston McKinney, and, of course, Christian Pulisic. Gentlemen, midfield, strength of the team, what do you got? Um, I, I'm i going to start with the surprises. Okay. Just because um, very surprised that Alejandro Guido got in. Um, he's another player who, like Ola Sunday, hasn't quite gotten that breakthrough on the – on the senior level, he's someone that you've kind of been hearing about for a while, and he's he's been around with Tijuana, but not not that he isn't someone who could be a part of the future. But I'm surprised he got this call up, and obviously there are a number of reasons. You know, MLS players weren't completely available. You have to fill the camp, and it wouldn't be bad to give him a chance. So that's a good thing. And then I was kind of surprised to see Joe Corona get it, not not because he hasn't been playing well, not because he hasn't earned it, because he he certainly has, and he's a good veteran presence. Just surprised to kind of see him on the roster. Kind of interested to see how how they juggle that midfield because there are so many young pieces and you want to get as many of them on the field as possible. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting group. It's definitely the group on the field where there's where there's the most to kind of look at. There's so many things that are interesting and so many storylines that I'm really interested in this midfield. Joe, what do you yeah. got? I think Joe Corona kind of serves the Alejandro Bedoya kind of role where he's yep. the veteran presence. Uh, Versatile. He's versatile. He, maybe he starts just because they want to, you know, establish dominance and have a lead, or he comes in for the final thirty minutes to help them secure uh, a victory. I Who's think your he, captain? 
who's your captain here? Is it Pulisic? Is it is it Lehigh? Is it who are you who are you cap who I don't know. Probably yeah, Pulisic. I, mean, I feel like because if you give it to Pulisic, that's a that's a statement. You're never taking it off him. Yeah, I'm okay with this. That's his. Now, is it Dave? Like like you said, Dave Sarakin. I don't know if he wants to be the guy to do this. You know, if Ooh. you give Pulisic the armband, that's his for the next decade. So. Now, I think that's kind of how it's going to be, and I think if you've seen the interviews he's done recently and everything like that, I think he's very much ready for it from a mental standpoint. But, yeah, I don't, I'm kind of interested to see who kind of gets that captain army. Obviously, it's a, a fairly meaningless thing in the grand scheme of things, but it's it's certainly something to kind of – I'm interested in it at I, least. I don't see a way that you don't give it to Pulisic. Just looking at the rest of this roster, who you, who, you, who else are you going to give it to? No maybe one else like, has – Maybe like Lehigh? I don't know. That's – it's it's not like there's a, a bunch of veteran faces here. Right. Honestly, so, maybe if Viafania or Corona starts. Yeah, one of those two. Even Bill Hamid, you could throw it on Bill Hamid. Yeah. Because I know he hasn't played. He's only got like five caps, but he's he's certainly been around the pro. Yeah, I'm just interested to see if because if you give it to him, it's it's done. Like he's the captain. It's that's the next couple of years. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. Back to the back to the midfield. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> no, like I, like I was saying, Corona is kind of that. First little veteran presence that it wouldn't be the sexiest pick to start because and sure I guarantee you if he's in the starting lineup Monday we'll see go ablaze because it's a 27 year old Joe Corona with all these you know 19 20 21 year olds in the camp uh, but I could see it happening uh, I think that's why he's kind of in that role. Uh, as a veteran midfielder, because if you look at the other midfielders and forwards, you don't have much experience outside of Pulisic on the international level. Um, it's crazy to think that Julian Green is kind of the most experienced player. In some comes, ways, yeah. In some ways, because he did play at the World Cup. And it's it's funny to, to kind of look back on it four years ago. You know, this is kind of his next break you know he had a little run in 2016 but he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time outside of this season um he's got a lot to prove my question with julian green is more so what position does he play you know we've seen him as a winger he's played as a striker and and done fairly well with during his you know brief you know summer runouts with byron he's played in more of a free role this year i'm kind of interested to see how they use him and i think what position is Julian Green is sort of a question that needs to be answered in these next few weeks if he's going to be a part of this. There is talent on the wings. There's talent in that number 10 role, depending on where you want to put Pulisic, if you want to start Corona. I just kind of want to see what position does Julian Green play and is is it a position that, that highlights his strengths. I think yeah, Julian Green is the most interesting player on this roster. because Just his whole story of having gone from Basically, he was Christian Pulisic before Christian Pulisic. He was announced to the international scene by scoring a goal in extra time against Belgium in the World Cup knockout rounds, and since then he's fallen off the face of the earth. He hasn't been on the national team in two years, and in addition to, well, how do you use this guy who basically took a just completely fallen off even in, at club level? I mean, he, he struggled in the second division in Germany this year. So what do you do with this guy if you can get him back into the national team? I think he's easily the most interesting guy on the roster, and not to say he has the most pressure on him, but I think he has the most 
most to prove, the most to gain, but also at the same time, if he doesn't have a good showing over the ne- these next few games, that could be it for him. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know if this is last chance saloon for him because he is still so young and he has shown so many flashes, even if it's never all been there. It's almost time. I think I'm not ready to write him off yet, regard- and I'm not ready to write him in yet, regardless of what happens in these next few weeks. But it's certainly going to play a big part into how we kind of think of him as a player and how we're going to think of him as a player, how he does not just in these games but the rest of the year. And if you go to sbisoccer.com... Uh, plug, 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 plug. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, Julian Green talked to reporters today, kind of talked about his uh, his last club season, kind of pressure, every dynamic you can imagine uh, that is up on the site. You can go read all about Julian Green's kind of last year or so uh, in the two Bundesliga. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. He's, I mean, it's crazy to think he's only 22 because it feels like he's been around forever. Uh, but there are a bunch of young prospects in midfield that are kind of just taking over the spotlight. You know, you look, if, if we're being all honest, I want to see Tim Wheel over Julian Green. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, it is too. Absolutely. Tim Wheel has gotten a run you know, out with a, a higher-quality club. He started for PSG last week. I know yes. it wasn't the best game. I know he, he struggled a little bit. I know he's probably not quite at the level ready, but – one, he's on the precipice of that team. You know, you're going to have a whole new situation going to that next year. And two, he he looked good last time. So I, I would expect to see him on the field most certainly. I want to see, see McKenney, obviously. I think he's a kind of a, a shoe-in to start, given the amount of players in the roster. And the one guy who intrigues me, too, is Lyndon Gooch, because he's got a lot on his plate this summer, too, especially with the, the situation at Sunderland. So... If he impresses in the time he gets on the field, that could also mean a lot for him. Kind of, you know, a couple other guys in this roster have the the, the same motivation. Uh, yep. I think he's got a lot in the line, though. So, he, you know, obviously you want to see him kind of contribute uh, as much as he can. Yeah, the guys like, you know, Gooch and and Horvath and Miazga and Novakovic, these guys have uncertain club situations. And Gooch in particular, you know, if you if you follow Goal.com, Ivis wrote today that about how, how Gooch has drawn, you know, interest from the championship, drawn interest from the earthquakes, even though it doesn't look like he's interested in MLS at the moment. But if he can come out in these next few games, look good, you know, that'll play right into what he's going to want on the club level. I don't know what he wants to do. I don't know exactly what his move's going to be, but it, it can't hurt coming out and playing well in these few games. If we're being honest, none of us are really interested in the earthquakes right now. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, I could understand why he would be uh, hesitant. Let's let's leave it at that. Well, yeah, let's leave it at that. All right, final final group of this roster forwards. There's only two of them. We although you could technically cl- include Julian Green, Tim Way as a forward if you really really wanted to, but the two they have listed are Andrea Noka- Novak yeah, Novakovic and Josh Sargent. Your impression of these two guys? Um, I you know I'm gonna plug my own story now. Uh, Novakovic, he had a heck of a year, and I don't think there's any other way to explain it. You know, he obviously, look, it's the Dutch second division. It's not exactly the highest level of defending. You could say the same thing about the Dutch first division. But he grew a lot as a player this year, as a forward. He he never really got the chances with Reading. He, he had the loan, you know. But given the chance, he took it. And that's kind of a big thing. And... He comes in confident. He comes in and he provides a different element than a lot of the, the strikers in this pool. Obviously, he, he has the size 
He's not just a hold-up play guy, though. He could score. And I think he's, you know, I, I don't think it's a crazy thing to think that he's probably going to start this game. And, uh, yeah, I think he certainly earns the chance. Sargent is obviously uh, next. He's, I would, he, he's someone that hasn't logged a professional minute yet. He's someone that will be a part of, of Werder Bremen's plans next year. And he's someone that also, you know, with his performance on the youth level, has earned this. And you want to see both of them on the field, maybe not together. I don't know how that would work. But, yeah, they it's an interesting forward pool just because you're saying these are the two guys we're probably going to run with these two. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, I, I like Josh Sargent as well. I don't think he's quite the number one guy yet, but I think he starts one of these three friendlies coming up. He's He is the next guy, as you say, and Novakovic, he deserves it as well. So, Joe, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I wouldn't um, argue against Novakovic and Rubio Rubin starting together. Uh, if you're going to go at attacking at home, uh Bringing a little life to the crowd, take a little pressure off Polisic. Rubin's obviously a known quantity. So is Novakovic. Uh, based off his club season, he's the informed striker. I know we all want to see Josh Sargent. Uh, I think we will, maybe in a lesser role off the bench. But we'll get into this in the next segment. But I would like to see as much attacking pop as you can get out of this lineup, and. Let's be honest, Bolivia isn't the most threatening team in the world. No, uh, no. And with the guys in the squad, I think, especially with the way uh, Miazga and Carter Vickers played against Paraguay, that the defense can hold the fort down, but you got to be able to create those significant chances in the first half and be able to put Bolivia under pressure and kind of make a statement not only to – everybody else but to yourselves as well because these are a lot of unproven guys on the international level sure they've had great club seasons but they're out to prove a point uh, tim way has said that back in march in north carolina that they wanted to make a statement they this this next generation and if we're being honest look obviously the three of us everybody in the soccer sphere is in tune to who these guys are but outside our bubble politics really the only guy that could draw in an outside crowd right now. But you want these guys like Wea and Sargent and McKenney, you know, even Miazga and Carter Vickers, although they're defenders and may not get as much publicity as you want or as you'd like to see them, these guys have to make a statement. Not only to themselves, not only to the people who watch them closely, but look, if the if America is going to get excited about this 2022 World Cup and the future of U.S. soccer and what's to come and all this, sure, we can talk about Pulisic all day, but there has to be more than Pulisic, and this is where it starts. They may not be on SportsCenter Tuesday morning, but when it comes to 2020 or 2021, when World Cup qualifying heats up, these are the guys that are going to be part of the core and they'll be the names on SportsCenter at that point and creating that conversation and buzz. But like I said, it all starts here. It started against Paraguay, and it's going to continue the rest of the year as they kind of build up to Gold Cup. Soccer is a team sport after all. Christian Pulisic has 10 other players out there that need to help him win games. And with that in mind, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll look ahead to this Bolivia-friendly coming up on Memorial Day right here on the SBI Soccer Podcast. It's 
And we're back to the SBI Soccer Podcast and SBISoccer.com. Ready to preview this match against Bolivia coming up on Memorial Day at Talon Energy Stadium in Chester, Pennsylvania. Joe, you're the one who's going to be there, so I'm going to give you the first crack at this. So what do you got? Who's starting this game? What does it look like we're going to see for a result? Does the result even matter? Uh, result matters, absolutely. Uh, it's optics at this point. If we go back to that March game against Paraguay, the optics were okay that there was a win, one nothing. But to come off of that, some people focused on the result. Some people focused on, oh, we didn't get the young guys enough time. Uh, but at the end of the day, you need that win, that confidence for the program. You're playing a Bolivia team. You should beat them. Your C squad should beat them, if we're being honest. Uh, this is about the B plus to B side at this point. Uh, Miazga and Carter Vickers are sharpied in as long as they're ready to go. They are the center back pairing in the future, like we mentioned. You could go three at the back when John Brooks comes into the fold, but they're the guys. They're going to be a rock in the middle. Weston McKenney, I assume, would start right in front of them. And then you kind of build the pieces around that. Uh, I would I would go Hamid and goal. I would take the experienced hand via Fanya and Lehigh at both fullbacks just because there's maybe a little too much unknown for me at that position behind them. Um, plus, they deserve it. They've had some solid seasons. Uh, I think the wild card in midfield is Joe Corona. There's a reason why he got called in this camp. You're not calling a 27-year-old into a camp of this magnitude just to call him in and get him training minutes. He's going to play at some point. That His presence on the roster says something to me. I think it's a, a Bedoya-type role where he's either shuttling in between on the wings or maybe he cuts inside. Uh, I, I think he starts, obviously, Pulisic. And then I want to see Novakovic and Rubin. I think that'd be a nice little Ford tandem uh, to work off of. And then you have Pulisic uh, with more freedom to create. He doesn't have to score. He doesn't have to you know, be in the box every second game. He can drift back a little deeper, maybe combine, pick the ball up with McKenney. Um, and then the other guy, uh, look, Tim Weah. Give him a shot. I, I absolutely agree with Tim Weah, that's for sure. I don't – I don't – I'm not convinced on Julian Green. Um, I think Gooch is a fine player. I just don't see him. Um, he may be a wild card to put in there uh, as a wing presence. But, man, if you want to go for the fireworks, you put Novakovic and Rubin, your informed forward, and a guy who's had experience playing on the international level with Pulisic underneath them. And, look, I understand you're leaving a lot of space if you get countered on, but you have a rock in defense in Miazga and Carter Vickers. And if McKenney is as good as everyone says he is, he'll be able to handle that pressure as well as kind of that stopgap between the defense and midfield. So if you go down the line, go Lehigh, Miazga, Carter Vickers, Viafania, you have McKenney in a holding position. I go Corona, Wea. Pulisic in a number 10 kind of role, and then Novakovic and uh, Rubin kind of playing off each other at Ford. Ryan, your thoughts? Uh, all right, well, I'm going to not 
I'm not going to get my phone out. I'm going to save that for uh, for Friday's Who Should Start. So you guys could all read that. Save the plug. A, a preeminent plug there. But just some of the obvious things that I'm going to look for is that you kind of alluded to it, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on Weston McKenney in this game just because there isn't a wealth of central-minded or defensive-minded central midfielders on this team. You know, look at Joe Corona. He obviously is a guy who can go two ways, but he's always going to be that kind of that creator. You look at, you know, Keaton Parks. Benfica sees him as potentially a number six in the future. They, they You know, the reports came out earlier this year that they think he's a Nemanja Matic in training, but he's not quite there yet, and I also wouldn't expect him to start just based on how new he is. And you look at Pulisic, who's obviously going to be playing in that attacking role. It's just McKenney's going to have to do some defensive dirty work, and I think he's very much up for it. He won't have a partner there. And I'm really interested to kind of see how he handles that pressure. I think the talk of this of this camp really has been kind of how he's going to evolve as a leader. You know you're going to have Pulisic as a leader. You know probably Matt Miazga is going to develop into a leader just because of how he is. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin has developed as a leader. But you need that midfield piece to kind of be that leader, that defensive you know, midfield idea. And, and that should be Weston McKinney, and you kind of want to see him grow into that. So I think he's the guy that you're kind of – going to keep an eye on this game. I think this is a very important game for him. I think this is a very important camp for him to kind of take that next step. We know he's going to be there playing, but is he going to be there, that leader, even at this young age? So I'm watching for that. Uh, fullbacks, you know, I think Joe kind of said it in that you're getting one of Lehigh and Viafania, if not both. I think Lehigh is a lock, just because I don't think you're going to throw Ola Sunday out there yet. Uh, I could see Robinson getting in. Just because one Viafania just played, you know, this past weekend. I don't know. I don't know. But he also earned it. He's also been a player that probably deserved his chance last time and didn't get it. So you can see him at least. He's definitely going to at least get in the game, I'd say. And then uh, goalkeeper, you know, I agree in that Hamid should get the start. And uh, I'd like to see Horvath come on for the second half just because he kind of needs it. I want to see the young fullbacks get on if possible. And uh, I think. I think we all want to see what Christian Pulisic can do just because it's been so long since he's been in that U.S. national team. It'll be better when you have Tyler Adams in so you can get that triumvirate of Adams, McKinney, Pulisic that everyone thinks is going to be there for the next decade. But, you know, getting two of them on the field at the same time is a pretty good start. Yeah, I I think just, we're all excited to see Pulisic play again just because we have, it's been so long. I like Hamid, Hamid at the back. In, the, in goal, Horvath, second half. But I do want to see Alex Bono in one of these three games. If it happens here against Bolivia, it doesn't matter to me. Carter Vickers, Miazga are your two center backs. Lehigh Viafania, outside defenders. I don't see much difference. If you, if, you call, if you say you're okay seeing Anthony Robinson coming in, I don't see why you can't say the same thing for Ola Sunday. Both of them, they're fairly similar in terms of experience. Uh, Anthony Robinson has a whole season. Yeah, he at least played for Bolton. I know, like Ola Sunday's been playing for Manchester United youth teams, and I know those. That's going to be a, a very talented, uh, you know, training schedule. But Anthony Robinson, you know how he did with Bolton this year, and plus he's another one that you could throw in, and that he's kind of angling for what his next move's going to be because who knows where he's going to be next year with Everton. So I mean, that's another one that I do want to just for that reason. I want to see the guys who have have something to play for get out there. Fair, fair enough. Midfield, I'm I'm thinking more of like a, a midfield five, only with, with only one guy up top, uh, McKenny, and probably uh, a Corona in the central midfield. And then more in a, an attacking midfield role, you definitely want Pulisic up front. Wea, 
and uh, Ruben I would go with on, out wide, and then probably Novakovic up front with Sargent coming in as a sub at some point, just because I want to see what he can do at a national team level. We do have to keep in mind, this is Bolivia. Their most prolific player is a guy who has two substitute appearances for DC United this year, so they're not exactly an extremely threatening opponent. They're the, the ninth best team out of ten in South America. So they're not exactly going to be that much of a threat. You want to see a victory. You want to see a fairly comfortable victory. In the grand scheme of things, I don't want the result to matter all that much. But at the same time, you know it's going to matter because if they go out there and they draw Bolivia or worse, lose to Bolivia, it's, it's not going to look good. And it's not going to reflect well on any of the players that get called in. I don't think Sarakin has much to worry about because he knows he's just a placeholder anyway. But it's still not going to look good on him for any opportunities he'll get in the future, whether it's with the national team or elsewhere. So you want to see a win. You want to see a comfortable win. You don't want to see them giving up too many chances. It's more about how the game is played. But in the end, the score does matter when all is said and done. Uh, any other final comments on what you expect to see on uh, Monday? I do. I, I go ahead, Joe. When it comes to the the perception of the of the result. Look, if they beat Bolivia, they beat Bolivia. You know, it's what they should do. But if they lose their draw, it catches more attention and there's more of that black cloud kind of circling around U.S. soccer, which you really don't need uh, with this young group kind of coming up. You want all the positives you can get ahead of these two games. So that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. Uh, and I, I'm in total agreement with you, Joe. A win has to be had. I mean, I just scrolled down Bolivia's squad. It's not threatening at all. Well, it's mostly domestic they're, players. They're missing some players, too. Like, in Bolivia, you know, there was, like, release issues because it's not a FIFA window. Like, Bolivia doesn't have anything close to their best team either. So that needs to be kind of taken into account. Um I think this game has more chance to kind of go balls to the wall than you did with Paraguay. One, because Bolivia is not as good of a team. And two, just because the roster is like sort of built for it. There's only there's only a, maybe a handful of players that wouldn't be the quote-unquote sexy picks to start. You know, I think you fans who want, you know, the whole blow it up group of fans will be happy with the lineup regardless just because half the players, over half the players are of the blow it up variety. You know, 15 players under the age of 22 a bunch of them would be eligible for the next Olympics. There's just so much youth in this team that I don't know if you can particularly – I don't know if you could piss anyone off really with the lineup. I think no matter which way you do it, I'm going to kind of understand what you were going for. So, yeah, I just want to see something cohesive from the defense. I want to see the attack show me something a little bit of fun because there are fun pieces. And I want to see, you know, Weston McKinney step into that role. Those are the three things I'm kind of looking at. Awesome stuff. All right. Well, the the U.S. national team takes on Bolivia at Talent Energy Stadium coming up on Memorial Day. Fun should be a fun game. Don't get put. Don't don't get too. I don't know. Uh, nervous about it. It's a friendly. We're still year. We're still months and months. A year away from a competitive fixture. But go out there. A, a loss would say more than a win, but a win is certainly something that we want. All right, there is still a full slate of MLS games this weekend, hence why only two MLS players are in this USMNT squad. We're going to have a quick chat about that when we come back on the SBI Soccer Podcast.
And we're back to the SBI Soccer Podcast and SBISoccer.com. We're ready to take a look at this full slate of MLS games really quick. Three games that you must absolutely positively check out this weekend. And we are going to begin with, as I flip the coin, Ryan. Ryan, you're going to go first. What's your game of the week? Uh, the game I'm most interested in is Friday night, Houston Dynamo, NYCFC. And it's for a number of reasons. Uh Kind of the underlying one is just because it's two teams that are a lot of fun. You know, you look at Houston's attack, you look at NYCFC's attack, you look at some of the mistakes both teams make defensively at times. It has the potential to be a shootout. But I think the thing that everyone's kind of wondering is where does Patrick Vieira stand? Is this his last game? Have we already seen his last game? Is he here for the rest of the year? Who knows? Uh, Reports came out that he was, you know, going to accept a job in France this week. He came out and didn't just, you know, skirt those rumors. He very much denied them. He called them, quote, wrong information. So I'm just interested to kind of see how NYCFC handles this Vieira off-the-field thing. You know, they're a veteran group. David is not going to let something like this affect anything. But without v, uh, without Vieira in charge, I don't know if NYCFC is a supporter Shield-level team anymore. Um, this game is not going to determine that either way, but it's a fun one to watch. There's a lot of storylines, so yeah, that's my game of the week. Yeah, always fun to see what happens in the managerial cycle, and as we went off on our tangent, would you have expected that the first coach to leave his post in MLS this year would have been Patrick Vieira? I don't think anybody did. Joe, what's your game? Um, My game is an oldie but goodie, the Cali Classico. Says the person who just said, "I don't care about the San Jose Earthquakes." What do you? Why, why the California Classic go? You know what? When you're up late on Friday night and you're home by yourself, or you just have nothing to do because you have a long weekend ahead, there's a holiday weekend. You just sometimes you can't keep your eyes away from a train wreck. That's two train wrecks in this case. Joe, hey. can I ask you a, a, one quick question? Yes. How much money would you pay for Alan Gordon to have a one-game loan to the San Jose Earthquakes? Or the LA Galaxy, either yeah. or. Like, how much money would you – or he could play a half on either team. What would I, you do for that to happen? I believe like, there's already be a – testimonial, you know what I mean? There's already an MLS acquisition, acquisition method in place somewhere deep in the annals of the rule book. That we'll actually, make one up. Or, yeah. Especially because the Galaxy are involved. Yeah. That states Alan Gordon must play the Cali Classico uh, in some regard. 45 minutes for both teams. Look, Chicago's going to lose in Orlando this week anyway. <laughs> Probably. I mean, Fair I enough. mean, you might as well, right? I mean, look, both, both these teams are train wrecks right now. They really are. The Galaxy, you're going to be without Zlatan for his idiot play against Montreal. Their defense is in shambles. It has been all year. Uh, San Jose is not great either. Uh, it's kind of sad to see how far this rivalry's dropped, but there's always something special um, in the Cali Classico. And look, it's an 11 o'clock Friday night start. Like I said, if you're not doing anything on a Friday night, turn on Unimas. At the bare minimum, there's going to be some. I, I look. If the game sucks, just put Q and Cosmo in in, like, the 60th minute and have them try and do, like, a shootout for 30 minutes. I don't know. 
something entertaining is going to come in this game. I'm not sure what it is. It could be 5-4. There could be fisticuffs. I don't know. I just It's the Cali Classico. Something will happen. Absolutely. It's always an exciting affair when these two teams get get together, regardless of the fact that neither one of them sits in a playoff position right now, and both of them appear to be in very, very uh, disastrous situations, at least in the short term. My game, I'm going to pick the only game that I could find this week between two legitimately good MLS outfits, and that is the Columbus Crew traveling to Kansas City to face Sporting KC, the only Sunday game. Should be a fun one if you ask me. you got Columbus, who just... They, they're a lot of fun to watch lately, and so is Sporting Kansas City. Two teams that are challenging for the top spot in their conferences. Sporting Kansas City seems to be the best team in the West. Columbus Crew, hey, if Patrick Vieira leaves, I may put the crew in to be, to be a favorite for a, a one or two seed over there in the Eastern Conference along with Atlanta. So Sunday evening, 6 o'clock kickoff, FS1. Make sure you tune into this one to conclude your your the weekend, actual weekend portion of Memorial Day before you uh, set up to drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of hot dogs, and just overall cheer for America on Monday night, on Monday afternoon, and all that fun stuff. So any other MLS notes before we send the people off into their USMNT and holiday weekend? I think there should be a similar clause to the Cali Classico with Alan Gordon that Kai Kamara should go straight from Vancouver on Saturday to that Sporting Kansas City-Columbus game and play 45 minutes for each of his former teams, too. There you go. He could also play 45 minutes in the Vancouver, New England for each t- side yeah. as well. It, would, it could be a full Kai Kamara weekend. Which Kai Kamara would love. Oh, <laughs> he, could, he would have all of the goals because he'd be pissed off at the other side. No matter which team he's playing for. It would be lit. Oh, I'd be here for it. To be fair, though, Kai Kamara has like 10 former teams in MLS at this point. That's true. Pro- probably one of hey. the better journeyman players you've ever seen. At least in terms yeah, of the I mean, goal scoring record. Yeah, there, so. like, there's. It's not the best weekend of MLS action. I don't. Uh, I don't think we're you know breaking any rules by saying that. But there are certainly some interesting things to watch. You know, as a kind of appetizer before uh, national team mania takes over and before the World Cup inevitably takes over. Let's just say it's understandable if you miss out on Saturday night's MLS slate. Yeah, I think I think that's a forgivable offense at this weekend. But at least Fair. you don't have a 10 thir- Well, you have an 11 o'clock San Jose earthquake start on Friday, so it's it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, close enough. But at least that one will be fun. At least that one will be fun. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, it's probably going to be another U.S. national team heavy show. Looking back on Bolivia, looking ahead to Ireland. Should be uh, a lot to talk about coming from both of those games as well. And, of course, the World Cup is coming. I don't know about you guys, but my World Cup fever is starting to show up. Oh yeah, it's getting there. It's uh, I think it took a little longer, you know, but I think now that the roster started coming out, I think I'm getting excited. I'm getting angry over some of the players not being called in. So yeah, I'm starting to get there. It's gonna be a root for your roots World Cup. I am all in for Poland because I'm Polish and they're at the World Cup for the first time in quite some time. So that's why that's how I'm looking at the World Cup anyway. Yeah, there's pl- We'll have a, a a plenty of World Cup talk. Absolutely. I'm ready for it. That's going to be over the next couple of weeks. Ryan, where can the internet find you? Uh, find me at Ryan Tolmich on Twitter. Uh, yeah, do that, please. I'll, uh, I'm going to try and, and be funnier this week. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Joe, where, what about you? Uh, at JTNZ90, uh, if you like 
11 o'clock kickoffs on Friday night between two bad teams. Come on over. Joe will be live tweeting the California Classico. I will not be. I will be sitting in the woods for this wonderful weekend of MLS action until Sunday night, of course. So tweet, follow me at Sports Desk Joe, although don't expect much action from me this weekend because, like I said, it's a weekend to sit in the woods for me, and I don't think I'm going to miss much. Be back for Sunday night, though, because that should be a lot of fun. You can follow the website in general at SPI Soccer. Follow this podcast on iTunes. Make sure you get all of our episodes. You can hear all of our hot, lukewarm, and freezing cold takes, and who knows, anything else we might say. But for now, enjoy the weekend. Have a happy holiday, and we'll see you back next week after some U.S. national team and Bolivia. We'll talk to you later.